I remember looking at my OB and I said, can I do this? Because if I can't, I'm okay having the baby anyway. I just want him to be safe. Because I always assume that I'm not gonna be able to do things because of my MS. And I remember her looking at me and she's like, your MS has nothing to do with this. You're doing perfect. Push him to the light. And that was all I needed to hear. And two minutes later, he was born. I'm Jamie Lynn Sigler, and this is my unspoken story. Welcome to Unspoken Stories, real stories of pregnancy, parenthood, and loss. So often these stories go unshared, but not anymore. Now it's time for us to raise our voice and share our truth. I'm Tatiana Ali. I have a son at home who is two and a half and another baby on the way. Parenthood is a roller coaster, from the joys of seeing your child grow, to the heartbreak of miscarriage and loss, to the daily challenge just to keep up with them, to the laughter and endless love. It is everything all at once. So I wanted to talk to other moms and dads about their experiences, because stories have the power to connect, heal, and inspire. Today on Unspoken Stories, we get to know Jamie Lynn Sigler a little better. I am best known for playing Meadow Soprano on HBO's The Sopranos. I was on Entourage and Will and & Grace and a show called Guys with Kids. I got to play Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. I also have a podcast called Mama Said, a parenting podcast. As a star of stage and screen, she has spent her entire adult life in the public eye. Today, we're going to talk about Jamie Lynn, the mom, and her journey to earn that title. I am a wife and a mom of two little boys, Bo and Jack. My husband's name is Cutter. He is 29 years old, so a bit younger than me. He was a professional baseball player for nine years. I traveled all over the country watching him play. We did long distance for the first three and a half years of our relationship. Um, that included having a newborn baby and following him around and driving around and packing up. It was not the easiest lifestyle, but that was his dream, and I was there to support it. I've had a very full life in my 38 years. 20 years ago, Jamie could have scarcely imagined the life she has today. I was 20 years old when I was diagnosed with MS, and at the time, my biggest concern was, one, would I be able to have children, and two, would I still be able to be an actress? At first, her symptoms came on slowly, and she didn't think anything serious was going on. I was in Florida visiting a friend and felt some numbing, tingling feelings in my legs and my feet. Kind of ignored it. That was my personality, was kind of just brush everything off and move on. And then about seven days later, the sensation was all the way up to my hips and my walking was impaired. So obviously I felt like I should probably get this checked out. I was admitted to a hospital and immediately put in the ICU, was paralyzed from my waist down with no answers as to why. They kept her in the hospital and started a battery of tests. About 11 days later, after CAT scans, MRIs, spinal taps, every kind of test you can imagine, they actually diagnosed me with Lyme disease. I was given a course of steroids and antibiotics and everything seemed to go away and be fine. But about a year and a half later, the strange tingling sensations came back. It was a moment in my life where I was really stretched and stressed, overworked, and I just assumed I would go into the hospital, get another course of antibiotics and steroids and kind of be done with it, and then had the sobering, life-changing moment where I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Obviously, being 20 years old on a hit show and having my entire life in front of me, 
Getting this diagnosis was a very hard pill to swallow. The symptoms of MS can come and go with stress. MS stands for multiple sclerosis, and it affects every person differently, which is crazy to think about. Around each of your nerves is a coating called myelin. So MS eats away at that coating. So I'm sending the signal to my leg to move, and even though the signal's going through, it's not strong because there's all these holes. And that's why things spasm. It's like a electrical malfunction, if you will. The diagnosis came as a huge shock. Fortunately, though, for me, I was diagnosed by a doctor who looked me and my family in the eye and said, there is no reason for any of us to believe that Jamie can't live a very full, healthy life. She can still be an actress. She can be a mom. She can do all the things she wants. We're going to keep her on treatment. She's caught it early enough. Everything's going to be okay. But then we made the executive decision from the advice of some industry professionals to keep it a secret. And that began a 14-year journey with this disease privately that made it 10 times harder probably than it could have or should have been. She went back to work without telling anyone about her illness. But because her MS was still in the early stages, it didn't require a huge lifestyle change. She was able to live with MS simmering in the background. But a few years later, her symptoms grew stronger and change became unavoidable. I went through a very bad divorce, and felt very alone, and then my MS reared its ugly head. Issues with bladder incontinence, with walking, lost my ability to run. And during all this time, I'm filming Sopranos and nobody knows what's going on with me. This caused me to have to take weeks worth of steroids, which affected my mood and my body and my skin. All while keeping up appearances on The Sopranos, the biggest show on TV. Fearing that her illness could threaten her job, Jamie kept her MS a closely guarded secret. I was having to cover things up and lie a lot. While it seemed like I was handling it great and doing well, the secret was starting to make me harbor these feelings of guilt and shame. And I started to live with the idea that I must have done something wrong and deserved this kind of curse, this disease. I decided that I needed to make a life change. So she sought comfort and support in new relationships and new ways of thinking. I hired a friend who had left show business to become a life coach, so he knew all the ins and outs of what I was going to talk about, but had everything else to teach me. And we started to think about what MS could possibly be giving me as opposed to what it was taking away. And literally in the matter of weeks, I booked a new TV show that got picked up on NBC and I met my husband. Life kind of showed up for me and things started to change. Jamie first met her husband through a happy accident. Cutter and I met because he was living at my best friend's house. My best friend is an actress, Joanna Swisher, and her husband, Nick Swisher, was playing baseball at the time as well, and the two of them were hitting together and training together. And I was always there because she's my best friend, and it was by no means a setup. I mean, he's eight years younger than me, going to play baseball. I'm a 30-year-old actress, figuring out my life. No one was thinking that Jamie and Cutter were going to be a match, and from day one, it was sparks. And I think because he was leaving three weeks after I met him, there were no games to be played. It was just like, yeah, let's hang out again or let's hang out tomorrow because neither of us thought it would go anywhere. And I would say a week or two in, I was madly in love and 
we're still here today. About a year after they met, Cutter and Jamie planned to spend New Year's in Paris, the city of love. They imagined strolling by the Seine and sipping wine, but things didn't go as planned. As we were packing, I am vomiting, and we are so worried that I'm sick. And my mom says, well, why don't you take a pregnancy test? Uh, I'm like, well, not pregnant, but okay. And we found out right before I left that I couldn't indulge in any wine and cheese while in Paris because I was indeed pregnant. And to her surprise, Jamie found that her pregnancy actually had positive effects on her illness. It's not uncommon for MS symptoms to go into remission during pregnancy. I was in a really good relationship with my body. It was doing what it was supposed to without effort from me. It was cooperating with me. It was doing a wonderful, magical, beautiful thing. You would think that having a nine-pound baby pressing on your bladder would further any of your bladder dysfunction, but I didn't have any issues like that. I was able to walk my dog up and down our hill nine months pregnant. If I limped a little bit, like it was just the pregnancy waddle. Like I just didn't feel like... I had to hide anything anymore. I didn't feel like I had to be so careful of anything anymore. I'm one of those annoying people that says I loved being pregnant. Jamie's first pregnancy wasn't totally perfect, however. Cutter was on the road a lot playing baseball. We were long distance, so I didn't see him for about two and a half months because I couldn't travel. So when the due date arrived, Jamie was by herself, waiting. The date came and went, and nothing happened. No contractions, not dilated. So at 40 weeks, she went to her doctor to ask if she could induce. And I remember her saying like, why are you so frustrated? It's your first baby, like let him come out when he's supposed to. Why do you wanna get induced? Why are you so anxious to have this baby? I said, well, I haven't seen my fiance in two and a half months, and he has a day off in two days. So in baseball, you only get two days paternity leave. That includes you flying out, seeing the baby, and coming back. And I was like, I could get three days with him if I went into labor in the next day or two. She was like, well, let's put it up to God and call the hospital and see if they had room because you're fully cooked. You're ready to have this baby, and we'll see. So I went home that night, and at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I got the call from My OB saying 2 a.m. tonight, you're going to check in and you'll be induced probably in the morning. I checked the score in my husband's game because obviously if he was having a good game, I was going to not interrupt it. But I saw he had two strikeouts, so I thought it's time to pull him out. And my husband raced in, didn't shower, hopped in a plane, and we met at the hospital at 2 a.m. And it was a party in my delivery room. It was everything I wanted. It was our best friends, our moms. We were playing music. After about an hour and a half of pushing, I remember looking at my OB and I said, can I do this? Because if I can't, I'm okay having the baby anyway. I just want him to be safe. Because I always assume that I'm not going to be able to do things because of my MS. And I remember her looking at me and she's like, your MS has nothing to do with this. You're doing perfect. Push him to the light. And that was all I needed to hear. And two minutes later, he was born. And it was so empowering. I felt so strong. I felt so amazing that I was able to do this. And Bo was born. And then I was left with this little baby trying to figure all this new life out. With Cutter back on the road, Jamie and little Bo had to figure it out themselves. I didn't have my mom. I didn't have my husband. I had a 
stranger, essentially, in my home with me and this newborn baby. And he did not take to breastfeeding well. So it took him about two weeks to latch, to get it down. Not only was it sleepless, but it was messy and it was a lot of crying on both our parts. And it was really difficult. There was no euphoria. There was no magical moment for me. I think just because I felt really alone and I was ashamed and I was embarrassed that things weren't going well so I wasn't talking about it with people and I was definitely dealing with postpartum it was definitely not like that blissful newborn time for me at all but once Cutter got home and once him and I got into the swing of things they did get better Um, and after my son was born I used that time in my life as an excuse to just focus on my husband's career and take a step away from mine she embraced motherhood and family At home, she didn't have to explain her illness. It was safe to be herself. It was a relief not to lie or pretend nothing was wrong for fear of losing acting work. But after a while, she felt like something was missing. There was this other part of me as a performer that I really needed to take notice of again and pay attention to. But I realized if I was going to do that, I needed to be open and honest about my MS. She had never felt like it was the right time. I always used to fantasize about the idea of once I'm healed or once I'm better, then I'll talk about it. I'll talk about all these years of struggle, but like, look at me now, because I just felt like, what good is it going to do to talk about it while I'm going through it? People around me would be like, but this is a wonderful thing that you're going to be doing for people. And I would get angry because I felt like that's not my purpose. That's not what I want to be. I don't want to be the poster child for MS. I'm an actress. I don't want to be always known for this. But at the same time, I realized I always wished that there was someone that I could just relate to that was living the way I was living. And obviously nobody was doing that at the time in the public eye. And maybe I had to be that person. She finally decided to go public with her diagnosis when she realized what keeping silent meant for Bo. What kind of message would I be sending to him as he got older that I was going to be asking him to keep this secret for me, that I wasn't deserving of opportunity or love or respect because I had the MS? You know, we try and teach our kids that they can be anything they want and anything that makes them different makes them special and that everybody is deserving of opportunity and love. And here was my chance to really show him that. I know to this day it was the best decision I've ever made. Stories about the impact her truth had on people started pouring in from every corner. Just to feel like just being honest and open with your life could possibly make sort of any impact or change for other people. I hate to say it, but like almost makes it all worth it because this is my one lifetime as Jamie and I want to do something good with it. Life was going great for Jamie. Her symptoms were under control, she no longer had to hide her diagnosis, and she could focus her attention on raising her son, Bo. About four years later, she and Cutter decided to have another baby. But this time, her pregnancy was not what she expected. I expected it to be like the first, where I was in this like glorious remission and I was going to be feeling great, and it wasn't exactly that. But also, I was also taking care of a toddler. So it wasn't like I had all the time to take the naps and lay down and relax. Jamie's second pregnancy, coupled with the duties of raising a toddler, left her drained and exhausted. And things got even more hectic when she brought her younger son home from the hospital. 
between feeding her hungry newborn, supporting her busy husband, and keeping up with the precocious five-year-old, plus managing her own chronic illness, Jamie was spread too thin. Nursing around the clock, pumping around the clock. I was burning the candle at both ends that any anyone without MS would have been exhausted, but somebody with MS, it was really starting to affect my symptoms. My body was doing what I wanted it to do in the sense of producing milk. So I didn't even care about the way that my body was suffering. I just wanted to give everything to my baby. Her symptoms got worse at a faster rate. It wasn't safe to hold off on her medication any longer, but that meant giving up breastfeeding. I kept asking for an extension and an extension because the breastfeeding was going so well and I didn't want to stop. Just the idea that my body was really working for me and doing what I wanted it to do, even though that was happening, my MS was like making another decision for me. And so I had to go back on my medication. And then he was struggling with new food and having a bad tummy and having a lot of reflux. And so he was crying more and sleeping less. And so it's just like this whole trickle down effect. Those are the moments where I still get kind of frustrated. I wish my body would just show up for me right now. Now that her disease was interfering with the relationship with her children, she had had it, and she did what a lot of us do when we're feeling alone. She opened Instagram. When you're vulnerable, it actually is a sign of strength, and it's a sign of power. So I decided to take that moment where I was feeling really emotional and vulnerable and post about it. She wrote, All my fellow mommies that deal with MS or anything that causes them to have to make choices they didn't necessarily want to, this is for you. I'm having to stop breastfeeding soon so I can get back on meds. The truth is, the toll of two kids and a newborn lifestyle is not the easiest on me, and I need some help. What sucks is that I live with a disease that makes decisions for me a lot. And with breastfeeding, I took such pride that I was able to do something really awesome with this body that I am constantly at war with. This little guy's tummy is struggling with the formula, and I know we will both be fine, but I am emotionally having to deal with the guilt and sadness that's coming along with weaning us both off this magical time. Any advice from my fellow mommies on how this can be any easier? And then she had sent. I could not believe the response to that post and how many people wrote me. I read every single comment. The mommy community is so strong out there and you need the support. You need that village. When I had my first son, I didn't talk about the hardships. I didn't talk about things that were difficult. And it made it a much darker time, I think, than it needed to be. And so I decided to make a change with Jack, my youngest, and it made things better. I truly, truly felt supported in that moment. She found a community of other moms who were looking for support, too. It made her feel less alone. Just knowing that other people go through it just makes you feel exponentially better. You don't feel so isolated. You don't feel so cursed. Other people that are good people have to go through it, too. MS feels sometimes like my best friend in the way that I don't really know my who I am without it. I have conversations with it in like therapy where I will understand that while it can't exactly be erased from my life at the moment, I would like it to be more in the back seat as opposed to the driver's seat. She has realized the hardest part is deciding where to spend her limited energy to get the most out of a day. I have my gas tank for the day and I have to allocate 
where my energy can go to. For instance, you know, on a weekend where I've got both kids home and activities and sports and I want to have them have as full a day as possible, but also be aware that I need some breaks sometimes and also aware of my physical abilities and disabilities. If I want to take my kids to a park because it's a beautiful day, I need to go to a park that's gated because I can't run after them. I try and go to ones that have more sand and rubbery surfaces because I can't quickly catch them if they fall or chase them. Or if it's a time where like, you know, all his friends are going to the zoo and it's 100 degrees out, I've got to ask my nanny to take him. And those are the moments that really suck, to be honest, because I want to be there. I want to experience that with him, but I can't handle it. You know, there have been many times that I've waved goodbye with a smile on my face and closed the door and just cried because I can't experience all of that with him. But the truth is that I can't let my disease stop him from having all the experiences that he wants. And I have to just value that when he comes home, I'm completely recharged and ready to do other things with him, like Legos or coloring or swimming with any chronic illness It's never your disease, it's your whole family's disease. Her MS factored into Cutter's decision to retire from professional sports. He made the decision two and a half years ago to retire from baseball. 27 years old, while that's very young in the world, it's kind of getting older in the baseball world. And I think with me having MS and having a young boy at home and me sacrificing my career, he just felt like it was the best decision to retire. And it was a hard one to make, I think, for everyone, but of course, especially him. But it's just the person that he is. He puts us first. Caring for a spouse with a chronic illness can be a delicate balance. I think he can feel very helpless at times because there's nothing physically that he can do. Like more than anything, the lesson I've had to teach him in dealing with me having a chronic illness is that it can't be the focus all the time. While I appreciate the love and the care and the thoughtfulness and the worry even that he has for me, Sometimes I need him to back off and sometimes I need him to just look at me like his wife. I don't want to be asked all the time how I'm feeling. I don't want to be asked all the time, like, do you need to sit down? Like, I've had to have the hard conversations with him and sometimes I'm frustrated and sometimes I'm calm when I have them. But I'm just saying, like, I will tell you if I need something right now. I don't I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. The truth of the matter is I'm never not thinking about it because I'm always feeling what I'm feeling inside this body, but I've learned how to live with it. And sometimes I just want to be distracted. For mothers, especially moms with chronic conditions, self-care is incredibly important. We become these martyrs because we think we have to sacrifice every little bit of us for the sake of this baby. And while, yes, it's very hard as mothers to relinquish the control and the responsibility, but especially when you're living with something chronic, you have to give yourself those moments. You can call it self-care, but I think it goes beyond that because it's actually vital for your health to take those moments for you. Jamie also loves watching the people her kids are becoming. Her five-year-old Beau, the firstborn, takes after his dad in the athletic department. He is very into ice hockey and baseball, which keeps us very busy, primarily me during the week as his mom, shuffling him around to his practices and whatnot. But he's a super passionate kid. It's really cool to see him be so young and care so much and try so hard at something. Reminds me a lot of myself. 
One day, when he was a toddler, Jamie was playing living room baseball with him, throwing the ball and watching him run. And that was easy. I could pitch the ball. He'd hit it in our living room. I'd get it, do it again. I mean, like, literally over and over and over again. But when he would say, Mommy, you run the bases, or Mommy runs now, I have to say, Mommy can't run, baby. He was okay with it. He was like, oh, okay, my mom just can't run. But as he got older, he started to ask more questions. When he got to about, I want to say, three and a half, four years old, he said to me one day, why can't you run? And I said, well, mommy has something called MS. And he said, well, what's that? And I said, well, it's like mommy's sick, but all the time, but just in her legs. I was like, does that make sense? He's like, no. It's kind of hard to explain exactly why, but basically mommy just has something that makes her a little sick in her legs and they don't work as well as everybody else's. That doesn't mean mommy doesn't try or mommy can't be there. We just have to figure out other ways to do it together. Kids, they really just accept things at face value. They don't need much of an explanation, especially when they're young, because they really accept you for who you are and they accept things for what they are. It almost makes you like stop in your tracks and think like, why can't it always be like that? When we're walking anywhere and he sees a staircase, he immediately stops and waits and puts his hand out for me. A hand, for some reason, gives my brain the idea that I'm balanced. Then his little hand is enough. When we go on dates, just the two of us to movies, we have to park far away. He will hold my hand the whole time. He will stop and sit with me if we need to. There's many times where I'll feel bad or worry about things that like my MS could take away from his life, but... I also think that it's making him an empathetic kid and a really aware little boy of of other people and their abilities and really accepting. And I just I'm really proud of the little boy that he's becoming. Look, there's things that can cut like a knife, too, though. He loves to play soccer in our front hallway because it's really long. And he plays it with his dad. He plays it with his nanny. And one day the baby was sleeping and I saw him kind of kicking around the ball. I was like, can I try with you? He's like, no, you can't, mommy. You're not that good at sports anymore. I know you used to play sports, but you can. It's okay. We'll do something else. And I mean, while he's right, I mean, it bums me out. But I realized I feel like I might have to explain a lot less than what my adult mind thinks I have to because they love me for who I am. Jamie has wrestled enough with MS to realize that if she can take care of herself, she can handle anything. It's almost just a shift in perspective, but I was just looking at life differently. And I think that that's been the biggest gift that MS has given me is my foundation of who I am and my belief system and how I look at life Yes, there are adjustments that need to be made at times, but if this is how I have to live the rest of my life, it's okay. At the end of the day, she's learned that being there for her kids, as she is, is enough. The funny thing that I'm learning about being a parent is that our kids really come into this world who they are. They really enter with their story, their personality, And our main job as parents, at least I believe, is to give them a moral compass and teach them to be kind and aware and empathetic. Jamie, of course, isn't the only member of the family with lessons to teach. To be honest, I mean, my kids also push me beyond what I think my limits are. I'll take my baby out in the stroller and I think I can only make it like three or four blocks. But if he's enjoying himself, I'll keep going and realize I did 10 blocks and it's okay. And we'll have to sit down and watch the cars for a little while and then I'll walk back, you know, and he'll make me realize I can walk a lot further than I thought I could. I'm realizing that. I can do maybe a lot more than I thought. 
And I think if anything, my kids have given me more confidence than I have ever had in my life because that level of unconditional love, I am enough for them no matter what kind of physical day I'm having. They always need me, my emotional support, my love, my hugs. That is endless and that they can have all the time. Thanks to Jamie Lynn Sigler for sharing her story today. It is so important that these stories don't go unheard. So please share this episode with a friend and then subscribe, review, and give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. To share your story and join the conversation, please visit us at unspokenstories.org. This podcast was produced by Fanny Co. with March of Dimes and Purpose. Music by Blue Dot Sessions, recording services by Nightbird Studios in West Hollywood, and Outpost Studios in San Francisco, California. Thank you for listening.